Welcome to The Rant. I'm your host, Herman James. And on tonight's episode, Connor Blunt and I of The Blunt Report will be talking about Korea, gun control, New Zealand, and our country, the United States of America. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate uh, everything you guys have done for this podcast so far. You've actually been able to have us grow larger than I thought we would at this point in time. We've actually been able to uh, clear the top 200 podcast downloads in iTunes. I think this month, it actually happened two or three times. I've actually been uh, hit up by some people asking me how the hell I'm doing it. And I have no idea. I don't know the algorithms. Uh, but that being said, I did meet a nice gentleman on some uh, Facebook forums. So I'm hoping that we can expand the market and expand our listeners network to a place where I haven't been to before. I actually have uh, Connor Blunt on with us. How you doing, Connor? Good, man. How are you? Doing very well. Now, you do not sound like you are Korean. I'm definitely not Korean. Um, you know, if I was Korean, I'd have a very, very strange accent. Um, I'm sort of <laughs> British Australian. I was born in the UK originally um, and moved to Australia when I was kind of quite young. So I'm half and half, I guess you could say. And I'm just in Korea at the moment, teaching, traveling, earning some money, having a good time. Nice. Now, what are you out there teaching? So it's pretty common for Westerners to come to Korea to teach, uh, as I'm sure like a lot of you sort of Americans know, because there's a lot of Americans over here. Um, you get a very good wage. It's very easy to come over here and teach English. Um, and it's a good lifestyle as well. So it's a pretty good opportunity for any sort of Westerner. Uh, if you're definitely interested in doing it, you should look, look into it. It was easy for me to do at least. So yeah, I'm teaching English. Uh, I've also got a couple of science and history classes too. Um, I studied science in university, so that's that's an absolute gift for me as well. That's lots of fun to be able to do the science classes. And um, yeah, it's it's been really good. It's been so beneficial. It's been honestly better than I was expecting. I was pretty nervous before I came over before. But again, if you're interested in doing some sort of teaching program like this, you definitely should. Nice. Yeah, I actually have a few friends that went over to, I think, Thailand oh. and taught English in Thailand and that kind of stuff. And it really seems like a really cool idea. You do get paid pretty well to do it. And the fact that you're getting paid American wages in Thailand was a huge thing because it wasn't a, you know, exact exchange rate for dollar for dollar that actually were able to go out and have a good time and spend money on things. And they were staying in a, Basically, mosquito net like huts on the beach. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's and an experience it. in itself, right? Yeah, that that's fantastic. Now I'm afraid of malaria, so I don't know how it works out. But I also don't think you get malaria. I don't know. I, it's not my thing. My science background is in physical therapy, so that's a completely different story from what I'm used to. More like biology and medicine, I suppose, right? Correct. I did uh, a long time doing a rehabilitation. So if uh, any of my friends or family members have an ache or a pain or they've done something, I get text messages and phone calls and ask to help. And I'm like, you know, I'm not a licensed physical therapist. I just went to college for that. Like, yeah, I've got a friend who's a physio and pretty much every time I get injured or sore or something like that, she's getting a text. That's for sure. Yeah, you got some like the weird, like semi revealing, but not too revealing pictures of like the low shorts. Like I hurt my thigh, like right here, right here. How do I fix this? <laughs> yeah, I had to do it. I hurt my knee and uh, she gave me sort of all these tests that I had to check out. And then she's like, can you 
point directly at where it's hurting but obviously i was wearing jeans so i had to go base and and at work as well it was school so i had to go to the toilet pull down my jeans take a picture and point and she was like this is the seediest picture i've ever gotten it's got actually nothing <laughs> seedy in it except from a, a pale hairy leg <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah. and horrible for everyone at the same time <laughs> Now, Connor, you have a podcast. What's your podcast? So my podcast is The Blunt Report. Um, I basically started it because I studied physics and chemistry at university. And kind of at the start of my degree, I was getting pretty interested in the science communication side of things. You know, I started a blog, did all those, all that sort of normal stuff, I guess. And then towards the end of the, my degree, I got a lot of um, other scientists, professors, things like that, that I was talking to, having this these awesome conversations with where I was learning a ton and I was like, I should just be recording this and putting it out. And that was basically the start of the idea. So my podcast, like I said, the blunt report, the idea is you can go on and generally learn something new. Uh, each time you go on, we talk about the subject of the person, their expertise. And we also talk about a bunch of other stuff too. Um, I recently had a communication scientist on who's fairly famous in Australia called Alan Duffy. Uh, we spoke about dark matter, astrophysics, because that's basically his wheelhouse. Uh, in the past, I've had like divers on. Um, I've had um, a Greyhound rescue program on, stuff like that. Yeah, so you can just click on nice. and um, learn something new, basically. Now, where can people find the podcast at? Um, absolutely everywhere. Um, I have a website, thebluntreport.com. Um, you can also obviously go to the normal places, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Um it's on YouTube as well, Stitcher, literally anywhere. I made a big effort to make sure it was in as many places as possible. Nice. And then we'll also have your website listed at the uh, the com, as well as in this podcast description. So anyone that's looking to have a direct links for it, you can check all those uh, locations out. You'll be able to see it. And everyone also see everything on social media because – I try to be a social media whore when I can and put things out there as much as possible so that there's no questions and there's no, uh, where do I find this kind of information? Yeah. You'll be able to see right It's a it. grind, man. But yeah, social media is important too. Same for me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. Nice. Gotta love it. Although I, I haven't done the Snapchats yet. I, I, that weirds me out a little bit. Yeah. Is it, is it, you know, it's arguably a dying breed though, right? The old Snapchat. I think it's on the decline. I don't know. I feel that Snapchat is for what is it, sodomists and for cheaters and for people looking to hook up. Yeah. Uh, niche market. Yeah. I mean, you're looking to try to find someone that's going to send you some naked pictures or some like pale thigh pictures. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you save that one. Don't worry. <laughs> and you can uh you don't have to have any sort of background to it like you, it's just gonna go away once you get out of the picture or the text or whatever it is it's supposed to be gone although people are stupid and forget that once on the internet it's never it, going it's, away it still exists but you know i i remember even just a few years ago it would be so common for people to be like hey do you have snapchat stuff like that and i never really used it i try and avoid social media um obviously apart from my podcast but personally i try and avoid it and i'll be like no i don't have it and that hardly ever happens now and i remember someone asked me for it the other day i was like what are we in 2000 like are we in 2015 right now what like what happened <laughs> you know <laughs> it, that yeah i i had it i think a year or two ago and i never used it no. and the only time that i would get like a notification from it 
would be from like an advertisement. I was like, I, I, I don't care. Like, yeah, I'm not sending people picture things. I want to go away. If I send you a picture. It's because I want you to see it. or I want you to have it. Like, check out this dog. This is a stupid car. This guy's an idiot. Look at this guy. I'm not looking for it to go yeah, away. Ch- check out this stupid dog for 10 seconds and then never again. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it didn't work out for me well. And so I, I just, I, I didn't really kind of get that. And then I've also been in a relationship for a decade. So I have gone from the era where you are a weirdo. If you are dating someone you met on the internet, mm. because no one does that, there were casual encounters on Craigslist or misconnections, and no one did any of those because that's just weird. That's just looking for prostitutes, from yeah. my understanding. And now people only use internet based dating, and everyone says that it's safer for them, but they're doing it. Because they're not shallow. They have to be able to read someone's information, which is also funny because you swipe right or swipe left off their picture before you even get to seeing who they are. Yeah, it's it's much more normal now. Um, and, you know, I kind of not respect it. That's the wrong word. But I kind of appreciate why it's much more normal. You know, people, young people have to hustle so hard these days. And obviously, you know, this doing a podcast. We're working all day. We get home. We're doing personal projects. You've also got to keep fit. You've also got to eat well. You've got to keep social connections. It's a bit of a different beast than I think it was maybe in the 80s uh, or even the 90s to meet people. It's a, it's a different animal entirely. And I understand why like, you can just put in your shift of 20 minutes on Tinder swiping and that's how you do your dating, you know? Yeah, and it works. And apparently, it's offensive if you send someone a dick pic. I, I that's what yeah, I thought it was for. <laughs> now, beside the fact that we're talking about social media and kind of the weird things about it, that wasn't ideally the main focus for this evening for the podcast for this episode. I don't know much about mm-hmm. Korea. You're not a native Korean. I only know what I have forgotten about things from history, from college and from high school about Korea. I have seen the pictures that you put up that are beautiful. I've seen pictures from other places that are great, but in America, all I see is a bunch of fucking fear mongering. And it is that South Korea and North Korea are feuding I mean, there's always been a Korean uh, war between each other over there, but it went from now you've got North pulling out delegates from the South, South and the North, their uh, tensions are rising. And now America is being a bunch of assholes because we have an orange guy called Trump. That's our president who's just antagonistic. And so all we hear over here is that they're going to send a nuke somewhere in our general vicinity because our idiot president that is really what's on our media right now if i i actually took a look at um the news today specifically about korea and the only things you see are that uh trump pulled sanctions mm. from korea and things like that so i don't really understand the idea of the difference of what you see there versus what we see here and what we see on the media is that trump wants to be kim jong-un and wants to have nuclear parades and have all of what dictators have running through the streets with the military and everything of that regard. So 
that's what we see on TV. That's what we see in the newspapers. Is there any relevance to that? Is there any like legitimacy to any of that that you see on a daily basis over there? Um, so I guess, you know, it's a pretty big question, obviously, but I, I guess I'll start with the initial reaction that I got when I was over here. Cause you know, I, you know, coming from Australia and the UK have pretty much the same lens that you guys look through. Obviously I, I think it's, yeah. you know, fair to say maybe not as dramatic purely because we don't have Trump at the helm and American sort of media is notoriously like uh, scaremongering a bit differently than I think we get in uh, Australia or the UK. But the biggest shocker for me upon arriving um, was that especially the young people, no one gives a shit about North Korea. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like this fear that's looming over everybody's heads. I remember um, before I came, one of the things that Kim, Kim Jong-un said was, uh, if there's a war, I'm going to turn Seoul into a lake of fire or something along those lines. And I'm like, if, if I'm living in Seoul right now, I'm probably going to start sweating. Really. But the general population don't care. You know, you understand... Uh, there is bad things happening with the relationship, obviously, but it's been the best it has been in such a long time. Um, you know, recently we had the situation where the president of South Korea, Moon Jae-in, met with Kim Jong-un and they had the nice moment. They shook hands. They crossed the border. Um, they also typically in the past at the DMZ, which is the demilitarized zone, uh, the border between North and South Korea, they've been having basically little um, culture battles at their uh, shall we say, not not actual shots fired, but oh. uh, it was funny that South Korea used to play K-pop super loud over the border <laughs> and that kind of thing to show this is what freedom is. <laughs> I did yeah. hear about that. Oh, man, they did some really <laughs> clever stuff. That was that was my own personal favorite, these huge speakers. But then they used to build um, antennas and towers on the border, and then one had to make it bigger than the other, and they kept building it bigger and bigger. Um, there was issues when North Korea were building tunnels under the border so they could spring an attack, blah, blah, blah. This stuff doesn't really happen anymore, and that's the reality of the situation. And I think the general consensus is that Kim Jong-un wants to hold on to his power. So he's trying to be as scary as possible without actually triggering a war. And that's kind of how I feel about it too. Um, but at the same time, that's not to say war isn't something that is hanging over the heads of people here. Um, and that's kind of mainly for two reasons. Firstly, because they still have conscription over here, right? So young men have to go to the military for, I believe it's 18 months. It was recently 24 months, but it's 18 months now. So a long time, uh -huh. right? So that's that's a huge effect. Um, and not only that as well, there is still a massive American military presence here, um, specifically in my city of Daegu. There's, there's like five major bases around us. So, you know, there is still this strange relationship with war here, shall we say. Now, you said you have American that many American bases yeah, around there? Yeah, five around here. Um, and, you know, they used to be much more around the country. There was one uh, famous one in Itaewon in Seoul, which is a major um, sort of suburb of Seoul, and that recently has disappeared. Most of the major ones that were in Seoul have gone further and further away, gotten smaller and smaller, and that, that tends to be the, the trend um, around all of Korea, but in Daegu, it's still a bit of a military hub, shall we say. Now, we don't hear much about that. We hear that there are American military bases over in that area and things of that nature. But what they typically put on media is majority of North Korea, of course, of their military parades. You've got tanks. You've got intercontinental, was it ICBMs? 
uh, and kind of little ballistic missiles uh, on backs, and you've got military guys walking through in stride. So that's what we see. I mean, I don't think we see much of it from South Korea, but majority of it's going to be in a North Korea dictator kind of going through that way. So the way we see the fear mongering is that these guys are a force to be reckoned with. They are building up nuclear uh, weapons. They have you know, taking down one area, but they're rebuilding a new one. They're doing all this kind of stuff. So what we see is that it is predominantly North again, being this big bully of the area and they're going to take out the uh, South Korea and everything else. And so that's literally all we see. We don't see that we are the big military force in South Korea. Yeah. Look, I think this is just a function of um, media, right? Of you, And you could also almost call it propaganda in the way that, Propaganda has been oh, yeah. a part of warfare since day dot, you know, even even in the days when we didn't have, you know, TVs and things like that. It was a huge deal. Um, and that's that's kind of the way it is now. And even the more sort of centrist, middle of the road, non-biased news organizations like the BBC, I think the BBC is quite good. I think it's becoming more and more left-wing as time goes on. But I, I think the BBC is quite good when you compare it to other um, areas worldwide. Uh, sorry, other news organizations worldwide. But even they give you a picture of North Korea that to me seems um, to be a very Westerner. These are these monsters that are going to uh, basically destroy your freedom. And I think there is definitely a bit of truth to that. You know, I think that they are super powerful. Technology means that you can destroy another nation regardless of what your manpower is, right? If you've got the right group of scientists, you can make a nuke and that's yeah. the end of the story. Um, but again, from kind of what I said before and the feeling that I get here in Korea um, is that it's posturing. That They are smart enough to know that if they started a war, they would lose power. It would be a horrendous situation and it would probably mean that they lost power. They want to hold the power, so they want to be a scary and as strong as possible on the world stage. And they do this by nukes and the parades. The parades are just, like I said, a show. Um, it was funny. Recently, I went to two different DMZ spots on the border there, right? Um, I was went hiking. There's some nice mountains up there. And also, I wanted to check out the DMZ. And it's quite famous in the way that you look at the South Korean side and there's farms, there's buildings, there's, uh, you know, uh, factories. There's lots of stuff going on. You look at the n North Korean side and it's dirt tracks, nothing. And I think that just shows what the reality of this country um, sort of is, if that makes sense. And, you know, I, I, I've heard it spoke about a little bit before, but not enough. And people have to remember that this is a dictatorship. This is one man at the helm or a group of people, at least, um, trying to hold on to this power. And they're not necessarily thinking about the horrible human rights issues that go on in these countries, you know, the fact that they have literally concentration camps, you know, physical labor camps, the fact that you can just disappear, the fact that they have issues with famine, uh, the majority of people don't even have a phone, uh, internet access, power, clean water, things like this are problems in this country that we're talking about being a real issue for war, which is kind of a strange conversation to have, really. Well, yeah, and you also look at the fact that you have a dictator that has almost by himself killed numerous amounts of people, his own citizens, and they didn't agree or whatever it might have been for that reason. And then even the folks that do have the ability to have some internet access or TV access, they only have it 
the censored version of what the country wants to let them see and be able to do and hear. So it is completely polarizing. That's the truth of it. And, you know, not only that as well, they they have this internet access and whatever else, basically, because it's been gifted to them by, um, you know, by the leader and stuff. And being here as well, there's a lot of organizations that help refugees that come from, uh, they come from North Korea and the stories they tell are stories of famine and um, of hard living and things like that, basically, again, which just shows what sort of country it is. But there's also, you get these strange situa- situations where some of the refugees have a hard time settling into South Korean life and almost miss the simplicity of North Korean life as well. So th- there is a small aspect and not something uh-huh. I agree with, but it's definitely something that we should all reflect on as Westerners, um, there's a small aspect of, for the individuals that live there and just live off the land and just go about their daily lives, you know, they obviously have this dictator looming over their heads, but they have, in some respects, a lot more freedom even than those in South Korea have. It's so competitive over here um, to get a job, to do this, that, and the other. Uh, The suicide rate in South Korea is absolutely huge. it's a, oh, it's a weird, yeah, it's, it's crazy over here. And you, you can, you know, there's some amazing things about Korea being in Korea, but the suicide thing is a pressure that I feel in the air, honestly. And I've had other Westerners sort of agree with oh, it. Wow. And see, that is something I, I didn't know about. I don't think I've heard about that and it being a huge thing. I have heard about a little bit of Northerners coming down to South Korea and having a hard time selling. And I've actually heard that was a bit of a, a suicide issue for that as well. And the only assimilation I can come to with that is people that have been in prison for a long yeah. amount of time that have, you know, been ingrained. You are a product of the system. Now you don't get to think for yourself. This is when you eat. This is what you do. This is where you go. This is the time to do it. That's all you have to do. Now within that program, you have minor bits of freedom that feel like more than that. But once you have been institutionalized for that long, once you come out of it, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You don't know where you're going or how you can do it. And if you've grown up in that your whole life, it is a complete culture shock to come out of that and be something completely different and be essentially a completely free individual. You don't know how to be free. It's not human nature to you. Yeah, I I guess that's a big part of it. And, you know, going to a new country in general is hard, right? I've, I've moved to a couple of different countries and the process is difficult. And that's for me going to a country where, you know, the system of money and the system of government tends to be pretty similar, right? So going from this dictatorship, sorry, dictatorship situation where you have certain set uh, rules and obligations and then coming to a place where everything is go, 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 fast-paced, it would be really hard to adjust. And, you know, I just want to say as well, Korea, it's... Um, there was the Korean War here that you know Americans know about, which was around the '60s sort of time. Um, and Korea since then has arguably been the fastest growing and fastest changing country that might almost have ever existed. It's just incredible the rate of change that Korea has had throughout the history and still now. And the reason they do that, uh, they have been able to do that, is just by pure 
brunt and hard work and making their own stuff. They don't have export here. Korea is a tiny country. They don't have oil off the shore, things like that. They have to make things. So there's this giant pressure of success of uh, getting ridiculously high grades. You know, I'm a teacher and some of the kids that are six years old have like three hours of homework every night. It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. God. And they have academies they go to. Often they'll start school at seven, come home at 10 or 11 at night. These, these are kids I'm talking about. So for a North Korean that comes down here and only existence is basically where are we going to get food today? And then having to be thrown into that mix, it would just be seemingly impossible. You know, it would, you'd just be so behind the eight ball. Yeah, and you're going to just feel so underwater. Like now you're trying to assimilate and now you've got to catch up and you're thrown into a completely different setup of the world. Like what do you do with that? Like how do you go for that? It would freak anyone out, I think. So I I completely understand that. It's just – I don't think that's something that a lot of people also think about and try to – you go to – you think that you just got out from underneath the thumb of this – horrible dictator who's murdering his own people you were in famine and now you've just been you know thrown into this wonderful euphoric idea of the world it's like paradise but they don't they don't understand it's it's not like you were released in paradise you still have to assimilate you still have to have an income you still have to re-educate yourself to the world and everyone around you and social norms that you're not privy to you didn't have the option of being able to see that in a world where you were actually closed off from everybody yeah. else. And, you know, the other thing is, again, and this this goes to what I said about Korea having changed so quickly. One of the things that shocks me here um, is the, the void of difference between the older generation and the new generation, the younger generation. And obviously we have that in all countries, but here the gap is, is way bigger because, look, the older generation were, were growing up in a brutal war where literally, and not a lot of people realize that before the UN uh, and the Americans came to intervene in the Korean War, all that was left of South Korea was Busan and Daegu. And to put that on a map, it's literally the tiny bottom southeast corner of the country. North Korea was everything else. Um, So it's like, imagine a tiny state in America being the only place left of America, you know, it, it, it's just, it's amazing. And they lived huh. through this existence. Um, they lived through famines that they had after the war. They lived through the period when they had no roads and dirt tracks. And now they're still alive in the period where Korea has some of the highest GDP in the world. It's technologically, it's insane over here. You know, we talk about Samsung and things like that. And you've got young people who have no idea about that past, really. They, they read about it in the history books, but they didn't live it. They just have this huge technological um country that they live in and trying to meld those two age groups is one of the biggest issues that korea faces more so than other countries too oh hands down especially when you're trying to take back your country like you said and kind of still be living in an idea of normalcy It, it, it can't be easy and especially for someone like yourself to be coming into a new place for you and trying to again assimilate and just trying to you know get your bearings set up there that's got to be an interesting thing for you to be able to see for one and to interact with and live through for another yeah, thing i mean it's it's cool to you know just purely from a i guess enjoying life perspective and just study on culture you know i love traveling in general it's, it's amazing to i guess be a fly on the wall 
to watch that sort of thing. And I, I've heard Westerners say it, and I'm starting to become um, a bit in that sort of same mindset is, you know, things are really changing in Korea. This Korea will be one of the bigger players in the world. And it's cool to, um, I guess, see that happening. And, and this goes back to the military thing again as well. Um, a perfect example is the other weekend I went to Busan. Busan is this beautiful sort of seaside um, city in Korea. It's very nice there. And I visited. And uh, as I got there to the train station, I was walking to go get a bus to go where I was going to go. I went through a huge sort of rally of um, older Koreans protesting, basically saying that we want more American involvement here. And we want more power in the Korean military as well, because over the past few years, the Korean military has kind of been getting smaller and things like that. And there was these things where these older Koreans were wearing um, American and Korean flags, like blended into one, like neckerchiefs <laughs> and T-shirts and like all this other stuff. And there's, you know, the minimum age there was 40. I'm not even kidding. It was just like the, the young yes. people just don't have the same perspective it, you know if you talk about again american military and um how much you care about americans the older generation love them you know because the un were the saviors back in the day and the younger generation only see the americans as the drunk gis that come to town and trying to have sex with uh korean girls and fighting in the street which is definitely not korean culture you know that is definitely American culture. <laughs> definitely American 18-year-old <laughs> GI culture as well, shall we say. Yeah, it is definitely going to go that way. And that's going to piss off people for sure to hear. But it is true. I mean, there is an innate truth that comes with stereotypes. And it's because they are off of some factual basis. Now, not everything is always going to be 100% truth, but there's some grain of truth within a majority of what that is and what we see on American like movies is going to be, you know, exactly what you just described. Now it is, I mean, it is in every American movie about military. Like that's yeah. what they do. Now, if you ask anyone in the military, that's not true. That's a very minute amount of people that do this or do that. Okay, great. Well, it still happens. It's still a truth. How you want to say it's a majority minority, whatever it is. It still happens. And then I've talked to tons of uh, older gentlemen that have been in uh, foreign battles that have all said that that's what they would do. They would get released. They would go into the town. They would try to find some women in the town and hook up with some women. There would be an occasional fight out of here and there, but you'd be ushered back to the military base and you're good to go. And the way I perceive that is... American military with military Are you trying to grow your audience? Are you trying to expand your market on social media? Check out thehermanjames.com to pick up our podcast social media marketing checklist that is guaranteed to grow your market and grow your audience and expand your internet presence more than you ever thought possible. That's thehermanjames.com for our podcast social media marketing checklist. I don't think... I don't think untouchable is necessarily the right way to look. I think maybe once upon a time it could have been the case, but now I don't think it is. I think I think there's a lot of spotlight uh, on American military in general, whether we talk about worldwide spotlight or even spotlight from the American public and the American government, right? So for here, I you know, the stereotype thing, you know, I love what you said. I think that's that's nail on the head and I don't think a lot of people want to hear that 
because whether we talk about racism or whatever it might be, but there probably is a little grain of truth to it somehow. And I think with the American military, it is definitely not the majority to do this. It is a very, very vocal minority. And that's why people think it is the majority, you know? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's actually funny because uh, we have an area called downtown here. It's where everybody goes out. Um, I'm in a city of about three million, three and a half million, something like that. Everyone goes out in the same area, wow. um, including the GIs. Um, and they have curfew too. So it's a really funny situation. They all go out, they have dinner, they get as drunk as possible, as quick as possible, because they know that they are about to get rounded up at <laughs> 11 o'clock. Like exactly. And then the um, the military police come along uh, in their full gear. You can you can literally time it. They start doing the rounds of all the bars in downtown, getting all these drunk GIs back home. Um, and, you know, my experiences with the Americans here have been generally pretty damn good. Um to say and and that's that's coming from me someone who who is the first to say something negative about america believe me um so that's that's quite a good thing but it definitely is this small population of people that are causing a little bit of trouble and i try and be understanding to the fact that these are probably middle america folk never been overseas had a certain existence for their first 18, 19 years of life. They get put on a plane and fly to this completely different culture with no idea of what it's going to be like, completely regimented existence, you know, different girls, different language, absolutely everything. Honestly, even if I wasn't in the military and I was that age and I had that upbringing, I'd probably go pretty crazy too, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. That sounds exactly especially with what we have been told by our media here. So we expect to see certain things over there. And I think that's kind of where we have the weird standoffness with it. I think that's about right. I think I think that's yeah, I think that's definitely about right. And it is weird here because, uh, as I said, I'm a teacher and for Westerners here, we're kind of in two categories. It's kind of like teachers and then the military. Right. And we kind of usually go to different bars and things as well. But the weird thing is uh, being a Westerner. I'm not allowed into like 90% of the clubs here, which I know sounds like a small thing, but I think just shows the effect that the GIs <laughs> have because they're just like the GIs cause too much trouble here. So if you're Western, you cannot come in. And that's the long and short of it. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. And do they have specific like GI bars? Yeah. yeah. So again, here in downtown, uh, the majority of it is Korean, obviously, uh, where mainly Koreans go. And then there's teacher bars. So we have like a corner. It's like a foreigner street, we call it, where it's mainly just teachers that you literally go into and it's hard to spot a Korean. Um, almost you don't spot a Korean. And then, <laughs> like I said, you have GI bars too. Um, there's, a, there's a chain over here called Thursday Party, which is like an American-style bar. And it's in quite a few cities. And that is basically <laughs> where all the GIs go. And to be fair, a lot of Koreans go there as well. It's a pretty nice bar. Um, but yeah, that's that, there's definitely GI bars. <laughs> So are they're also because we're talking stereotypes and talking media and movies and all that kind of idea for it. The movie portrayal of foreign GI bars are going to have specific types of people that are locals that are going to go there. They're going to be local women that only go to the GI bars and this kind of stuff. And there are going to be some people that are looking to pick fights out there that are also local. Is that a, a thing as well or is that something that's completely out of the norm and just going to be a movie I fallacy I, think, I definitely think there's a spectrum of bar over here but I, I think that idea of a gi bar comes from like the vietnam war you know where it's this sort of sweaty 
bar where it's got like a couple of, a couple of Vietnamese in the corner playing like a card game. There's some dodgy moonshine behind the bar. This American punches this person, <laughs> and I, I think I think that it was definitely more of a thing in the past. Um, and here there is a spectrum of bars and a spectrum of venues in general. We would even just talk about restaurants. There is the more extreme ones that I think would be like that that would have maybe some of the military that have been here for years and years you know some of them this is just their entire existence and then you get the ones that are you know pretty decent to go to like i said thursday party it has um a pretty decent mix of crowd and the gi's there they don't really cause trouble you know they they just they just want to go out and have fun meet their friends maybe speak to some koreans uh so i think there's both I, i i definitely know from stories not that i've been of a few of the bars that are like uh way seedier um <laughs> full of american military <laughs> and frequented by korean prostitutes i think yeah no that's <laughs> and see and that's usually what you're gonna see in like the movie portrayals of uh, anyone overseas is that's kind of what you get the idea of American GIs want to go over there and find the Asian prostitutes, go find some Korean girls out here and let's go do this. Cause we can, and they're always ready and willing. And I'm like, yeah, I feel if I didn't want to do that in American bars and a come home with something and B get arrested. The last thing I want to do is do it in a foreign yeah, I country. I don't think it's as and truthful yet, as the movies yeah. say. If that's if yeah, I definitely don't think it's it's that bad. I mean, I mean, like I said, it's a it's a very vocal minority that caused the problems. It's just, it's a shame that they're there. I think for the most part, the Americans here are doing a pretty good thing. Okay, um, for the idea for what we have talked about already, it, it seems more of you know downtrodden things and it's military this and that. What are some of the great things you've kind of seen in this area that you wouldn't have been able to assume were there when you first got there or looked at even being a teacher out there? Uh, you know, with all of my experiences living in a few different countries or traveling in general, it's it's usually, I think it's different for people, but it's it's small things for me that kind of just hit me in the chest and make me go, whoa, I'm, I'm not at home right now. It's not the things that you expect. Like it's not going to the big tourist sites that you've heard so much about. It's like these small experiences that just really make you realize. And um, one thing about Asia in general, um, in my experience, and definitely in Korea, is like the relationship of food I just love so much more than in the West in general. Like it's, you go out with a group of friends, you put a big bunch of food in the middle and everybody shares, everybody talks. A part of Korean culture uh, is you, you never pour your own drink, for example, which I think these tiny things are so nice. And I can meet up with a stranger and we're sharing food out of the same bowl. Basically, um, we're talking, we're pouring each other's drinks. Uh, that's something you don't get really in the West. And that is something that when I do go to back home or whatever, I sorely, sorely miss. So small things like that, I really do love. Um, and like I said before as well, the evolution of the country here, everything just changes so, so rapidly uh, to a point that I've just never seen before. And it's odd in this respect that everything changes so rapidly. So if another facet of the country has not changed, it looks so old. (laughs) So you have in Korea, these (laughs) incredibly, these amazing feats of technology, you know, there's one thing that always gets me, they have like these little street cart vendors that you get in all of Asia, but they buy these like, 
like these box electric box things that they can drive around and they press a button and the whole thing opens up like it's from the future it sounds so small and silly but it compared to asia they have this janky metal cage that they sell food out of you know that is just so korean but at the same time you throw your rubbish your trash in bags on the street here so you have this amazing technology in oh. one and then you walk past this stinky pile of crap you know it's just it, literally a stinky pile of crap and um yeah that's stuff like that which is just for me is just amazing to see you know oh that is absolutely and see for me the main thing that i know in that i dabbled in that even came from korea was uh hyundai tiburon south korean that that's all i got and it was a a force we reckon with here in the States and they also do a Hyundai Genesis. And that is where my very, very uneducated self, that's where I top out at because that's what I know. That's what I understand because I grew up with cars. I, I still do a bunch of car things. I mean, uh, as the listeners know, I'm in my mid thirties. And at this point in my life, I've had, I think 18 or Man. some odd cars, which is more than most people have yeah, their entire right. life. <laughs> but I learned to build and flip and do things at a young age. So I also know what they can do. And that's why I looked into what they had. And it's funny in the States because it is very, very frowned upon to own. Uh, I think Kia is also Korean, correct? Not sure, but possibly. Yeah, I think that might be as well. Them and, uh, Hondas, like if you have in America, you are considered just your car's crap. This sucks. What are you buying mm. that for? And it cracks me up because they're fantastic. I love that stuff. And Americans also don't understand that their Ford is built in Mexico. It says on the door, but they, they rep this shit hard like it's American made. No, it says right there. It's made in Mexico. Yeah, it's hard to buy anything that's you know, completely solely from the country that you're from nowadays. It just gets so mixed around, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it cracks me up. It just, it is misplaced legency to what? To a brand? To a something? There's so much more to the world than the name of something or the face of what you assume it is. Like I said, what I know about Korea is that it's supposed to be beautiful land and that it's supposed to have great people. I don't know because I haven't been there. So I can go there and they can chop my hands off for Thailand. I think it is. If you spit gum on the ground or something, you get uh, your hand, you get prisoned or something to that extent and uh, theft, you get your hands cut off. I think it would be more realistic. Yeah. Singapore. There you go. Yeah. That's batshit crazy to me in America. We will let you do pretty much anything. And if you're rich, you get away with yeah, everything. Yeah, it is absolutely crazy. And then because of recent news and because of your background and everyone in the world has heard about New Zealand and the massacre that went on there. And I apologize for bringing it up in a weird roundabout way for it. But their government was fantastic. Six days, and they came to a resolution. You can't do that in the States. 
We have stupid ass militias out in the States because they're afraid the government's going to take their guns and fight back against them that quite honestly quote a misdated and way outdated document that says they have an inane right to own firearms. No one has that right. It, it is absolutely batch of crazy. It's definitely a weird thing that is very um, America-centric. It's a problem that America has that other countries just do not have. You know, if you look at um, per capita usage of guns and things like that, there is other countries that have, I don't think as much, but close to the amount that uh, America has. I know Finland for example, is one country that has lots and lots of guns. There's lots of empty space there. Uh, there's moose. There's a lot of people that basically just eat by hunting. Um, you know, they need to have guns, but they don't have the same issues with shooting that America does. There's something in the way that America is set up that is conducive to these shootings, and it's a weird thing. And, yeah, the, the New Zealand example, I think, um, actually highlights the problem in America more, I think. Uh, first of all, Jacinda yeah. Ardern, that's her name, isn't it? Her, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. She, um, I think, I think so, she yeah. is like, she's on the pinnacle of people's list for one of the best pe- people in the world at the moment. She just, she handled the situation with so much <laughs> class. Um, she could have made it more politicized. She could have, she could have done a lot oh, yeah. of crap that, you know, even in the UK would have done, lots of places would have done. You know what? She just, she she called it what it was. She said it was horrible, absolutely horrible. She went, tried to support her people that she's meant to be leading, okay, regardless of whether she agrees with the religion that they come from. Oh. She went to go support them. Yeah, every single one of them. Which was, was, was a beautiful thing. And then, um, you know, she, she tried to make a difference. And I think even when we get issues in the UK or Australia, it's it doesn't work in the same way. Um and, you know, something similar happened to Australia. I'm not sure if you're aware of. I know it's something that they always bring up in America that, oh, this is this is how you can fix it, which <laughs> is the uh, Port Arthur massacre um, in Tasmania where yep. the, uh, I think it was, was it in the ni- 90s or something, early 90s? Uh, yeah, the guy went uh, to this. I've actually been there. It's it's a um, historical site where they, it used to be basically an old uh, prison when they first settled Tasmania. It's this incredible historical site. And, um yeah, he went there. There was basically only one entry and exit, and he killed a huge amount of people. And from then, people weren't happy, but they 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 fixed the gun problem, and now these things just do not occur. And uh, yeah, and I think that's what they said that uh, the prime minister of New Zealand she already had a blueprint of how to address the problem directly across the did. water from her, and she was able to kind of go back with that. And the fact it took her. 72 hours to make the comment that they were going to fix the issue. And then six days later, she announced what they were going to do and they're going to have it done in three weeks. And it's going to cost the country uh, some million dollar amount of buybacks for people. And the entire country said, yeah, "Yeah, okay, sure. There was people that were pissed. A small amount of people that were pissed. But I think this says something just to the way that uh, Americans are taught to operate by America as a whole and it's this this is Australia's a weird place because it's kind of the baby of England and America right there's so many things that are so American there that I'm there I'm like what what country I'm in am I in right now so American and then alternatively <laughs> alternatively some things that are so British and this is the thing about America it's like this um what is it it's it's like a 
we have the right to do anything and we are always right um, with our ideas, okay? And I think people should have ultimate freedom. <laughs> I think that is something that is very important. But to assume that because you think something is right is a thing that doesn't happen in the rest of the West, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure how you feel about that, but I think that's about accurate. We, we for sure do that all the time because we're always right and everyone's always wrong. And if you ask our president, anyone trying to come to this country is a bunch of rapists and drug dealers and gang members because he's an idiot and doesn't understand this country was stolen from natives and that we're all immigrants of some descent here, including his wife that he had to get a green card for and her parents that he rushed to get a green card for, but they're not rapists or murderers. And uh, he's just an asshat. Um, you won't hear in the States, you will not hear anyone call a white male a terrorist. Yeah, that's a thing in America for sure, isn't it? it? Yeah. It is not an act of terror. It is a mass shooting. Mm. What the fuck is the difference? That creates terror. That That's freaking terrifying. That is a terrorist. I don't care who you are. You don't have to have a pigment in your skin to be a terrorist. And she called it out right. She oh, called him a terrorist. Right. And she uh, went off the bat. And then she did something that you wouldn't see in America either. She put on yeah. a, was it, hajib, a hajab, whatever it's called. And then went out and prayed. Yeah, with the people. I actually, I've had a few, I've spoken to a few people about that because personally, um, I have a lot of problems with religions in general, right? There's a lot of issues. Uh, there's a lot, of, you know, you could argue some good things, but I, you know, there's some issues and definitely with uh, Islam oh, yeah, as well, we talk about because it's, it's a different breed of religion than say Zen Buddhism might be because in the actual doctrine, it's made <laughs> from warfare. You know, Muhammad was a, he was a warrior who spread the religion with the sword so mm -hmm. it comes from a different place so you know th there's arguments to be made about this regardless of that regardless of how this religion treats women by forcing them to wear a hijab or whatever it is she can forget that for that day by her saying i'm not going to go to this this uh, this place and help my my people out because i disagree with a b and c is quite possibly one of the ugliest things you can do and definitely one thing that you see in america and you know again america uh, sorry the uk and stuff the same thing happens and uh, again hats off to her she, she just she did she handled it so well phenomenally well i mean it was something that you don't see in our media outlets here in the states even to the same thing it how can you do that and so if you listen to anything that's not fox news they'll say the same thing of how did she do this so well how how are we able to see someone else do this and react quickly and we're so naive to the fact of doing this because we have a doctor in that states that it is the right to bear arms and the funny thing to me is, so in our country, you have the right to bear arms, but driving is a privilege. We kill so many more people behind the wheel of a car from texting, from drunk driving than anything else than we do with guns. Yeah, it's a weird one. But we regulate driving more than yeah, we regulate guns. Like that is definitely separate mental um justifications for guns than there is for just about anything else and you know i think this 
I think this comes from, oh, of course it doesn't. There's no think about it. This, this does come from the history of America. You know, present day countries always comes from their own history. And the fact is, America had to be for many years this go get it. Everything we're doing is we're going to be bullheaded about and go and do it because the, the finances weren't there. They were weaker than other countries. Um, you know, I know that. Basically, that same thought process doesn't translate into today, and I think that's where a lot of a lot of the issues comes from. But I don't know. What do you What do you honestly think? I'm like, I'm genuinely interested. What do you think the solution is? Because I don't think the thing that happened in New Zealand, the way she treated it, would work in America whatsoever. And people that claim that, oh yeah, let's just do that, I, I think are kind of naive. I think there would be not necessarily a civil war, but there'd be big problems. Uh, absolutely. There would be an uprising. There would be disdain, everything out for it. But it is not solely because of just the general public. Um, it is going to be because the general public is, in my opinion, and everyone listening to me knows that that's the only opinion to me that really counts the most, is uh, it's influenced by everything they see and hear. You hear a lot in our country, you'll hear Trump say fake news and he'll say shit on recordings and on video camera and then he'll blatantly lie. I never said that. That's not what I did. And people are like, oh, well, he he said he hates black people, but that's not what he meant. I don't I don't know how you can say it any other way and not mean the exact same thing. But it 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 is something that's also because our country and our government, regardless of how anyone wants to say it in any different facet is completely backed by money yeah and the nra is a major major political backer in our government system they put the money in there to put the candidates up for election they pay for everything they line the pockets of majority of military figures excuse me not military governmental figures and they are in the same facet as the what we call the one percent here these few billionaires that run the country that's why we still run coal plants that's why we are still digging off for oil in places that we shouldn't be going to because these people own all of these entities and they also own the government so you take guns away from Americans and you try to, what's going to happen is they're going to put out all of this propaganda that all this is going to come out against why this shouldn't happen. And then there's going to be a, a false sense of security and a rite of passage. That's going to have an upbringing to the local and national level that is going to be unheard of. And all that's going to happen is it will cause in America, the second mm-hmm. civil war. And what happens from that point is, as we're fighting ourselves, other countries are going to come in and take over. It's exactly what would happen. Yeah, when I when I see people commenting about this gun thing, uh, when, when the question of we need to change our gun laws comes up, when I see people commenting, sure they can come for their guns, but they better my guns, but they better be ready. You know, they can take it from my cold dead hands. I'm like. What are you doing? What are you saying? Right, you do you want a war? Do you want your children to not be safe? Do you want to die? It is just so short-sighted and genuinely upsets me. And you know what you said about the lobbying and things like that. I think is it's an issue that's all over the world. It's an issue that's super 
prevalent in Asia as well. Korea is definitely not separate from that. Um, money makes the world go around, whether we like it or not. Um, but in America, it is something, it's, it's that problem on steroids. And I really am of the belief that uh, we need to have some degree of, of capitalist society. You know, I'm not saying it should be fully capitalist like it is now, but, you know, the trade and purchasing and stuff is probably going to be an element of human society for a long time. Um, but I think the thing that makes and causes a lot of problems, a lot of far-reaching problems that you, you might not even think about, whether we talk about guns or if we talk about the health of uh, people, you know, if we talk about sugar lobbying and whatever else, lobbying and corruption is a big source for all that. And I think if that is combated, a lot of issues might actually lose their sting, you know, because can you imagine if, imagine if the NRA was just uh, liquidated, disappeared, didn't have that same power, how much easier it would be to change these gun laws. It would be a different beast entirely, right? Well, it should be. And I think it needs to come to light that you also have other countries that do things a lot different than what we do here in America. And that's something I think New Zealand does. Well, I don't know if Australia is the same way for it. And I get it. You know, New Zealand is a small country compared to America. I think they have like 5 million people on that island. Um, And America, it again, we we give you this free reign. Oh, you want to get a gun? Okay, you have to be X amount of years old. Here's a gun. Oh, you can't have a gun because you're a felon. Okay. But they're everywhere. You can go on a street corner and buy a gun. You really can. I mean, it's illegal, but you can do it. Whereas if you want a rifle versus a handgun, you have to take a very stupid, I think, 10 or 15 question quiz at a store. Pass the quiz. Get your rifle. You want a semi-automatic rifle? Great, go to this state. You want a fully automatic rifle? Go to this state. There's no fucking reason anyone needs a semi or fully automatic rifle anywhere at all, ever. That's not something any public figure needs for personal use at all, ever. There's never a reason for that. But we don't have any issues about doing that. We're supposed to have mental health checks. If you've done this, they just pull your gun. They don't do it. But in New Zealand, if you go to get a gun... You're supposed to have two people vouch for you. They both get interviewed to vouch for you to get a gun. If you get traffic tickets, they can pull your gun. If you have mental health issues, they can pull your gun. You have all this rigmarole you have to go through just to get a gun. And it's specific to the type of gun you get. We have nothing to that extent. I think if we had to have people interviewed to have Americans get a gun, there would not be half the amount of guns we have. I think they said there's five guns for every one person in the United States. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a frightening sort of ratio. Um, I, you know, it, it makes me think of something. I did a podcast recently with a guy called um, Colin Marshall. You know, like shout out to Colin. He was a very smart dude. He's moved to Korea. <laughs> he, um, he's an American guy. Moved to Korea, uh, speaks Korean. Yeah, super smart guy. And we got onto the subject of why is it Americans don't really travel so much, you know, because I've, I've been to, you know, a number of countries now and Americans, I barely see them. I rarely, rarely see them. And now I've got to Korea and the majority of people here, the Westerners are Americans. So that's, it's been strange for me. 
And, um, you know, we talked about the fact that a lot of Americans, you know, it's a beautiful country in America. There's so much to see. It's huge. You got all your different climates. So it's like, why would you leave? And one thing he said was, it's not a question of they think to themselves, why would I leave? It's more that that the question of leaving doesn't really even really come up. It's not a part of the question. And when he said that, I was like, that's such a good point. Um, because a lot of countries, again, Korea included, Australia, UK, sort of look to other countries to sort of um, try and find the best way to do things. All right, oh, okay, Finland, they have great teachers. Let's yeah. take a look at Finland, see how they do things. Oh, you know, yeah, Modern exactly. Oh, Italy yeah. do this very good. You know, Japan do this very good, this, that, and the other. America seems to be one of the few places where it's like, if you're considering that another country is doing something better than you, it's a sign of weakness and anti-American, which is so yeah. ridiculous when America is meant to be and was historically the powerhouse of technology and science and for, you know, forethought. It just isn't that anymore. And I think that is something that's really lacking with the general public. And I think if that is something that changed a little bit, it would make things a lot easier with gun debates and other sort of debates that are very America-centric. Yeah, and I think it, it also comes down to the media that we have here. It's it's put out and it is made to when you see good in another place, instead of highlighting the good, you highlight bad or you demonize it. Uh, if the most prevalent thing I can think of right now is five G internet, I don't even know what the hell that means. Five G internet, I don't because there's no. <laughs> downs and ups with it. It's just 5G internet. It's supposed to be the fastest this, fastest that. Great. To me, that sounds fantastic. We get better internet. We get better service as a country. We can have all the stuff. But the way that it's put out here is the president has jailed the creator's daughter, I think it was, or co-creator of 5G internet and had to ask Canada to imprison her and expedite her to America so we could hold her so that he could levy a deal against China because the country puts out media here that whomever creates 5G first creates the military and therefore will have world dominance mm. autonomously. So that's See, I, what we're I looking realize, at. <laughs> so because this is Huawei, right? So I, I didn't realize Huawei were the ones that created yeah. 5G. I didn't know that. So that's that's good for me to know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it was uh, created or developed it more with, so, with but Huawei, yeah. That's the, the yeah. main thing. Um, Correct, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But in all fairness to that sort of conversation, I don't think Huawei is a force for good even remotely. You know, I think if we talk about war, going back to North Korea, blah, 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 Future wars aren't going to be at all really what we uh, had in the past. We're not going to be in the trenches to the same degree. Uh, they're going to yeah. be like these weird sort of cyber conflicts who can get technologically ahead of the other one. And the 5G thing is a fair point that the creator and the one that um, spreads that the most, uh, yeah, the implementation is in yeah. a, a bigger situation of control, that's for sure. And I certainly, certainly, there's a lot of weird, squirrely stuff that goes on with Huawei and uh, and the Chinese government as well. How much information are they taking? Uh, things like that. 
So I do think there needs to be some sort of Western control of that, for sure. But I don't think <laughs> what is currently happening seems to be A, efficient, or B, a good idea. It just sort of raises pressures, tensions, and also seems to be taking 5G out of the grasp of America even more in some respect, right? And I agree. And the idea that we're... The way that I've always looked at things is that you have a product or you have technology or a source of something that is typically paid for and implemented by a military because that is the first and foremost way of doing things. You want to A, be dominant and B, protect your own troops. And so whatever comes out of that then has trickled down to society. It might take a few years or whatever to get out there, but it does. It ends up being you know, a beneficial force. But now we have kind of put a little bit of a pivot onto that. We have Google and we have Microsoft that are making these products, facial recognition systems that are used for gaming and for your own personal security things. And now we're having military contracts take that information out and use that kind of information to specifically target anyone that is on our watch list, any terrorists we assume to go out that way. And... When you think of how great that can be for your country to take out Al-Qaeda's leader, which is a seven-headed snake. It's not – you take one out and it's going to go this way. Al-Qaeda didn't really exist as prevalent as it was before Osama bin Laden was out there, before Saddam Hussein was out there. And so you take out one and ten pop up. But that's kind of where I look at technology. And you look at Kim Jong-un, who is, in my opinion, power-hungry – and Trump, who wants to be a dictator, so you have two people with nuclear powers and military forces at their fingertips, you take technology that is generated for the general public, you now give it to some fucking idiots. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you are the leader of a country or you're somebody else. An idiot is an idiot. Just calling a spade a spade. And now you have the technology to pinpoint an attack on one person or one group of people. And I, we haven't done that in a long time. And I think the last time we publicly did that was uh, World War II where America uh, did uh, Nagasaki. But behind shades of truth in hiding things out from the general public, we do this all the time. Americans have militias. We have uh, dark ops. We have things out there that – people don't want to hear about that we do all over the, the world that other countries hear about that we block from coming in from us. But now give that same technology and that ability to the world. And now it is a global clusterfuck. And we're sitting like we were back in the late eighties, early nineties with cold war and the Cuban missile crisis where people are afraid to push a button and, essentially let robots and let people behind a joystick kill other people in America. If you were a gamer, you can be in the military because you can fly drones. Now. Yeah. That's, um, this is something that, you know, I think about a lot and I've spoken about with a few different people on my podcast too. Um, is like, I guess the scientists perspective on this and, uh, I've had this kind of explained to me a few times and it's kind of the way I think about it now is, I'm not necessarily worried about the technologies themselves. You know, people get very worried about AI, about mechanization, about things like that. And I'm not 
Well, by the time the robots take over the world, I'll be yeah. dead. I'm not worried no, about but that. People, you know, they genuinely get worried about it, understandably as well. I'm not saying it's not a worry, but I'm not worried necessarily about the specific technology. What I am worried about is the rate of change of technology leads to the situation where we sleepwalk into these technologies before we have fully understood the ramifications of them and could legislate against them as well, right? And uh, a good example of that is just the fact that companies make this AI technology because to be dominant, you've got to be the first one to do it. You've got to get out there. You've got to do it. You've got to beat everybody else. And that does mean making this technology before fully understanding what the ramifications of this is. And And I I slightly disagree with that premise. It It is not that you have to be the first to generate it you have to be the sole Mm. owner of it whoever creates it whomever does it that's great we can steal it you can steal it from us whoever owns the whole entity of that i think that's where it comes from that's where the dominant correct yeah so i think that's where it comes from because we in america i don't think create nearly as much as china does and that again another propaganda thing in the states is that china is a idea factory and be able to build things and create things that we can't do and china steals all of our great ideas because that's within the their agreements to be able to produce things over there but if koreans are building or generating a wonderful anything and it's not even necessarily having to be weaponized if someone else comes in swoops all that information whether they take it by money or by force whoever owns mm-hmm. that idea that who's i think is going to be the one that's going to be more yeah. dominant yeah definitely and you know i think it comes down to the fact too that uh even scientifically speaking when we talk about research and stuff humans are typically bad at um analyzing risk basically right so they they see this goal of making this new technology but don't fully analyze the risk and 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 this thing when we talk about uh you know robots drones things like that this is going to be a situation of not understanding the full length and breadth of what this means for the world and you know what you what you said before about uh hiroshima and nagasaki that that was a a perfect example of another time when this kind of happened everybody was racing to make this atom bomb you know it wasn't just oppenheimer uh, and his crew it was all other countries as well in germany at the time in japan at the time um it just so happens that you know the west made it first and uh you know that was a time where we kind of didn't really fully understand what dropping those bombs meant you know it, it first of all we talk about the direct effect of the incredible destruction that i don't think anyone ever realized could be possible but then the subsequent realization the rest of the future even up till now is based on this um mutually assured destruction politics are based around the fact that we know that we can push a button and absolutely obliterate anybody at any given moment that is something that certainly nobody necessarily expected no and i think that's where it really comes down to is when it's looked upon at Technology being the new force of the military, I'm not worried about that. I actually feel more comfortable with that because if the playing idea of it is leveled, if everyone's getting similar technologies, this and that, 
then there's going to be less likelihood of uh, one trying to attack another because of what's going to happen to it. And it really just comes down to putting into power people that are level-headed, that are trustworthy, to not be an asshole and not be an idiot, not to call someone Little Rocket Man, and not to just have idiocies out there because you want to make a headline. I think that's when to come about. I mean, uh, I don't remember. I think it's Venezuela who's got their president back in there who wants to be full dictatorship and have a military presence and fight with force against the world. We're going back to a global situation where it is going to be run by dictators in different states, different countries. And we have a president of the United States who wants to be a dictator. And we have a elected set of officials that are afraid to get fired that don't want to go against that. So we are actually running on a pseudo democratic presidency because we don't have a representative democracy in our country. I think that's always and an issue it, with it, it, the fact that, um, you know, people, you got you got to remember these things are a job for a person as well, right? And uh, when when it gets to the state that it's, it's in, especially in America, again, where uh, re-election or election is more important than the actual job itself, that's that's when there's a, there's a real big problem, right? You know, because it's political suicide for any politician to try and do something that the majority doesn't necessarily want you know something that's a little bit out of the bounds of um what the public are thinking about but might be better for the country it's it's complete and utter political suicide and trump is a perfect example of that he just played to the correct crowd because he's a you know he, he wants to be a winner he, he's a businessman he played to the correct crowd regardless of the politics i think well he played to the correct crowd to get him in there and he played to racist idiot bigoted crowds that weren't heard before because they shouldn't have been heard before and now he's in office and he runs it like a fucking tv show you disagree with him he fires you you call him out for stuff he calls you fake news and he fires you so people aren't trying to get fired they want to stay in office do things and now we're at a point where we have been in a standstill of what we're supposed to do because our country is not doing well I mean, from the outside looking in, from the inside, from different perspectives, how you want to look at it, it's fine. But as a whole, we don't have a government running well with each other and not really checking things. It's supposed to have a check and balance system, and it's not. It's just a fucking free-for-all. Do what you want to do. And that's not how the government's supposed yeah, to run. Well, for me, I... Um I'm always of the opinion, and again, this is bias probably, but governments should be on more of a um, scientific fact-chasing um, agenda and basis than certainly it is now. I know that's that's not the only things that are important in politics, but you know, when you get facts and realities, they should be the facts and realities. And we're in this weird time right now where even facts and realities, people just claim that they aren't facts and realities. And Trump does this great, right? Um, and there is a certain amount of truth to it. The, the technology says that you can you can see a video of something and that video be entirely fabricated. You can hear an audio of something and that audio be entirely fabricated. And that's like you said, I think at the start of the podcast or before we turn the mics on, I can't remember, um, the fact that 
Trump gets caught doing something, saying something, and then he just he's perfect at saying, no, I didn't do that. And then somehow we're in this bizarre world where that's kind of acceptable to do, and that is getting more and more of a factor and more of a more of a problem. And I think the need for humans to be skeptical and the need for humans to seek out realities is bigger than it ever has been in the past and also harder too. Yeah, I, I can absolutely see that. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the solution is there. I mean, I, I know a lot of people talk about like, um, <laughs> what is it like uh, having different, having different sort of, um, what's the word for it? Like different, different, different ways of leaders. Not having one individual leader, but having a, a broader leader. You know, having a few leaders or something along those lines. And I guess that's what Parliament and Congress is, but it doesn't seem to be doing the job in the correct way. Well, yeah, but it, it's supposed to have the separation of powers for us here. And it's supposed to be that you have one elected official who's supposed to be able to run the country for us and have uh, whatever it might be for you. Uh, you guys have what I consider a figurehead of the queen over in uh, the UK. I don't know much about what her real authority is or participation in things. When it comes to the president of the United States, that is just a figurehead or it's supposed to be the Senate and the uh, Congress are really supposed to be the ones that run things. If he kind of steps in to do things then you can, but really you're supposed to be the impartial one that's supposed to bring bipartisanship to both sides of the aisle and to be our ambassador to others in the world. But when you have someone in power that has the power of the pen who can veto your ideas and implement stupid shit that shouldn't be out there, that's when you need to have the other uh, House and the Senate and Congress and everything else that's supposed to be able to argue that and defeat that and not give one person the reins over the country because that's a dictatorship. We don't have a dictator. We have a fucking pumpkin, but we shouldn't have that because like you said, there should be different people running different facets of the government to make things better for it and understand how it goes. But like you said earlier, you should also be looking at how other countries are implementing certain things, how they're running things better or worse than you learn from that and implement those ideas into it when it comes to gun control. That shouldn't be an issue that we have, that we can't control it. There shouldn't be the world looking at the United States saying, how the fuck do you guys let this happen again? We have, what, 11, 12, 13 of these a year of mass shootings? More than anything. It's insane. Like You see it on the news, and it's like, oh, okay, again? Yeah, it, it just... Uh, I, I don't understand it. And if you have this conversation with people here, you see in, was it London? I think two years ago now, uh, the guy went out with like a van and ran people over and then someone like stabbed like 12 people with it. Like, see, it doesn't matter what you have. If someone had a gun, they would have stopped that guy. No, 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 they wouldn't. More guns don't beget more guns. Like, it, You can't stop someone because you have a gun. I, we have plenty of people that have guns on them that don't stop people shooting other people. Like it just—it's asinine. The logic is super flawed. Yeah, it's. I guess it's like when we talk about guns, it's when we talk about any sort of mass um, legislation. 
there has to be a certain point where you take the numbers of it, right? And and this is a conversation I've had about self-driving cars. Um, the fact that people talk about, people get worried about where the uh, liability lies if there is an accident with a self-driving car. Is it the owner? Is it the company? What is it? And people are really hung up on this, and understandably so. It's an important factor to talk about. But if you can prove 100% that on the one hand, if everyone's driving cars normally, X amount of people die. And then on the other hand, if you have self-driving cars, you know, that number gets slashed by a factor of 10 or something like that. There's only a tenth of the original amount. Then isn't that a better thing? And then I think it's a similar sort of argument with guns. You know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure there's many situations in which uh, someone having a gun has helped uh, a situation. However, you, you, that completely forgets all the situations where it's just killed people for no reason because they have a gun where that person wouldn't have died, especially when you talk about in poorer <clears throat> in poorer neighborhoods in America where mass shootings are happening essentially on a daily basis where more than two people die, you know, people are getting shot. You know, that is something that cannot be forgotten. That is, I think, the biggest the biggest conversation when it comes to gun crime is these sort of situations in, like I said, poorer neighborhoods. Uh, and and just focusing on the f- on the small amount of times in which a gun would have helped the situation, whether it be a terrorist incident or whatever it might be, is so sort of short-sighted to the whole big picture about people that suffer from gun use, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's the idea of it. if you stop this, limit it, whatever it could be, the results could be so much better. And you have to give up something that you hold dear, which teach their own. I don't get how uh, an automatic weapon is something you hold dear to yourself, but you do. And if you give that up, if that goes away and your child isn't afraid to go to school, you don't have to have trainings in your elementary school where your teachers have to show your children where to hide in their classroom when a gunman comes onto campus. How much better would you feel about that? I mean, think about our parents back in the day and probably even some of our older siblings had to do nuclear bomb drills. Who the hell thought hiding under your desk and putting your hands over your head was going to save you from a nuclear bomb? Yeah, it's not going to stop, is it? No, but that was the thing. That is exactly what people did. And nowadays, you don't do that in your classrooms. You don't do that at work. How much more relieved are those people that no longer have to, don't have to live through that? Now take that and put it into mass shootings. If you don't have to train for it because it's not a threat, how much more at ease, how much more relieved are you as an individual because your kids don't have to be freaked out about that and you don't have to explain to your five-year-old how to gouge someone in the eye if they come into your classroom or how to hide from a gunshot. It is asinine. That's the new norm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so strange. And again, it, it's, it's so American as well. It's, it's something that – and what we talked about earlier, I, I genuinely don't know 
what the so- solution is. And you spoke about it before, how it would you know essentially be a second American civil war if if guns were taken away in such a drastic fashion. Um, and I really, I really genuinely don't know what the solution is for America. But but what is happening right now, which is basically just like talking and filibustering and doing absolutely nothing saying oh we we could do this or we shouldn't do this and we could do this is is probably the worst of any of the situations in all honesty because no solutions are happening even slightly and these shootings are you know they're just getting worse and worse more frequent more frequent and something has to come to our heads yeah it's got to and we talk about how Kim Jong-un is a dictator who's going to kill his own people and have all these massacres of his own people. But as an American society, we've allowed, because I just Googled it, uh, 1,153 people to be killed by mass shootings. 189 of them were children or teenagers. Mm. That is absolutely horrible. That, that, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't be a no, thing. We shouldn't have to worry about that. And we talk about other countries being horrible. Yeah, it's, it's strange. That's, and it's like, I've heard it a few times before now because there was a thing recently where uh, knife crime in London had overtaken the murder rate in New York for the first time since X year or whatever else like that. And I've heard it on a couple of different podcasts where people have been like, oh, you know, well, Britain has its own problems with knife crime. And yeah, it definitely has its own problems with knife crime. But that's in the biggest (laughs) city in Britain, first of all. And second of all, it's not this widespread thing over the entire country that reoccurs on a daily, consistent basis. We we have knife crime, but we don't have the same murder rates of um, places like Detroit and things like that, where is entirely there because of gun crime. Sorry, because of gun laws. You know, if gun laws were different, obviously there's a big argument to be said about people still getting guns illegally. That's obviously a big factor, but it's not going to be to the same degree. And that's not something that is seen in any other sort of developed Western countries. It's a different conversation when we talk about South America and stuff, but uh, Australia, the UK, and as we've seen now with New Zealand, it's just not the same conversation. No, and I don't think I've seen in any other country anything like we have had uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, was it last yeah, year? Yeah, that was that was the that was the real deal, right? That was um, that was out of a that was that was like something out of a movie. That so surreal. I remember the one that happening. It was like because it wasn't it wasn't even like an individual going into a school with people he's semi-associated with. Not not that that's understandable, but it, it's the fact that, yeah, okay, he's got some emotional uh, problems with these people. It was literally someone going to a tower and just being 100% entirely indiscriminate and not because he um, had a religion telling him to do it, not because of any of these reasons, because he got an automatic weapon and had problems. And it was just so strange. Numerous numerous automatic weapons, numerous uh, suitcases. And he was going, what was it, I think between two different uh, rooms and he was shooting out of the hotel room at a concert and taking people out. 
And we want to talk about how other countries are horrible for things that they do. And they allow the genocide of people because they allow a dictator to run things. We let a government run our country and not take control of our inability to control ourselves. We let people have fully automatic rifles that have either semi-automatics that have been converted to fully automatics that have massive magazines. You should not be able to take out an entire army of civilians by yourself. You should not be weaponized like that. But we allow for it, and then we shun other countries for letting a dictator run them. Yeah, what's to be said, man? What's to be said? (laughs) I need a drink. (laughs) Well... That is basically uh, the gist of what I want to kind of talk with you about. See how you were doing over in Korea, how it was a little bit different than what I assumed it would be, and to kind of see a twist of how it is. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's a completely different day. You're ahead of us, so you're actually yeah, – uh, what time do you have over there It's 12.30 on Saturday afternoon, so um, I'm actually – it's 8.30 in the evening. Yeah, there you go. So I'm preparing my Saturday afternoon, basically. I'm actually just about to go to a uh, a clinic to go get my eyes uh, tested to maybe have laser surgery because uh, the government over here spends a lot of money subsidizing medical things, and laser surgery over here for your eyes is insanely cheap. So I think I'm going to do it. Nice. That's very awesome. Yeah, we uh, we can get laser surgery here if your eyes aren't too bad. You can do out-of-pocket or your insurance will cover it. But insurance is an entirely different subject that we don't need to get into. It's a different animal, right? (laughs) It is god-awful for it. All right, Connor. So where can people find you and find your podcast? Again, uh, yeah, so you can um, – thebluntreport.com. The podcast is called The Blunt Report um, on iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, literally anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Uh, also on all social media too, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. Uh, there's a lot of different episodes on there and I've got some pretty good ones coming up uh, of some kind of different, different um, genres and subjects that I wasn't really expecting, so I'm pretty excited for. Very nice. Don't forget to check out – his link in this podcast description. So definitely check that out. We'll have it also featured on the hermanjames.com. So either of those locations will get to it as well. And we'll be posting everything on our social media as well. So definitely check everything out. You can give Connor some love. Don't forget to also give him some good reviews on iTunes. Uh, it really gives everyone else a good idea to uh, listen to it and tune in, and give a good understanding what to check out. All right, everyone, I appreciate you. Connor, thanks for checking out with us. and Thanks for having the conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, Hopefully we can do this again uh, sometime soon. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. As a country and a society, we look at ourselves higher than any other country or any other society or civilization in the world ever. We look down upon any other country or any other person in this world that talks bad on any other indigenous company, culture, physical entity of anything at all. We're the biggest hypocrites of them all. We hate people that oppress other people, yet we oppress other countries all the time. We get picked on and we get fucking butthurt. 
we don't like the way that other countries run because it's not the way that we do things. And when it comes to having a dictator in our Oval Office, we have a bunch of fucking people in this country that don't see it that way. They see their rights being upheld. They're not looking at the actual face value of things. Things are being stripped away one by one by one. They're thinking that this government that we have is some great fucking elected entity that's in the Oval Office that's helping everyone out. This fucking pumpkin is taking away people's rights. This motherfucker is taking children away from parents. Innocent children. We are a country of immigrants. We fucking stole the country from Indians and Mexicans. And now we're pushing them out and locking the fucking door literally. We're not okay with people in our country. It wasn't ours to start with. At all. Look at what Krispy Kreme and the owner of Panera Bread are doing. Their ancestry were responsible for Jewish slaves in World War II. They were Nazi sympathizers and they're opening the fucking wallets, paying $11 million to charities to help right the wrong. It can't. It won't. Reparations aren't the way of doing things in this world to make the fucking world right again. It's not going to happen. But what do we do? We decide to look at things and say, fuck the way you've done it. We're not doing that. That's some horseshit. We had some old fucks write this Declaration of Independence and we've got fucking all these rights that are given to us because I have the right to bear arms. Fuck you. That was so that the English wouldn't come back and take away the country we stole. It was also to keep the people at that time from having a new government running this country take away their rights from them that they thought that were rightfully theirs. The world has changed since then. So have the fucking firearms. Look at the amount of people in our own country we kill every year with firearms. What do we decide? Guns stop guns. It's fucking stupid. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That just means okay you've got aids if i got aids and we have sex that will cross things out right because aids kills aids right wrong if you think that's the dumbest example then why do you think more guns stops more gun violence that's fucking asinine we think that korea is this horrible place this horrible dictator but look at what happens when the northern koreans try to go to south korea they can't assimilate they don't know how to because what they were given was actually some freedoms to what they knew what they were brought up in we have more freedoms than most countries have in this world yet we take them for granted and then when people do wrong against us we don't want to fix it and we shame other countries for doing it like new zealand for Within 72 hours, they decided to ban illegal firearms, semi-automatics, and full automatic weapons. In six days, that fucking decision was made. We can't even do that here. We're okay giving people that have murdered people, as long as they get a pardon, guns again. That's not right. That's not okay. There shouldn't be a walk into a fucking Walmart, sign this, here's some guns, here's some ammo, get out. That's horseshit. Our country is backwards in terms of our laws, our rights, and what we hold dear. Personal life, that should be held dear. Preserving life should be the highest regard we have, but it's not. I want to have 14 fully automatic fucking rifles because it's my right as an American citizen. No, it's not. Your right was to fight off government from taking your rights from you. A militia is not going to stop shit. We are now fighting things with a fucking button and a goddamn drone. Grow the fuck up and understand what you're really fighting for and what you're really saying. Because when you're putting down other countries for what they're doing, 
You're the asshole. You're the bigot. You're the one that's ignorant. Fuck it. And fuck you for those thoughts. Well, that's all the time I've got for this episode. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and thank everyone for sharing. And thank you, Connor, for coming on. I know we have an extreme difference in time. He was actually a day ahead of me when we recorded this. Uh, and I really appreciate him taking the time to do this. So make sure you check out the Blunt Report on Buzzsprout. You can just Google it a pop-up or you can push the link in this podcast episode description. He's also going to be the featured podcast on thehermanjames.com right on the homepage. Click the logo for his podcast, take you right to his page and his productions. I want to also remind everyone we've got the giveaway going on right now. So if you want to get some of the Herman James and the rentwithhermanjames.com swag, I need you to comment in any of the social media publications in any of the posts. Just comment, I want swag or tag the rent with herman james and friends in any one of your posts i'll put you in for the drawing again comment below tag the rent with herman james and friends and we'll put you in the drawing to win some rant swag i want to thank everyone for leaving the comments on itunes sharing with everyone because without you this wouldn't be possible and once again i can't wait to be in your ears again next time have a good day